Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Paid for my life, God's perfect sacrifice, sufficient for me. The blood of God to atone, my sin you made your own. You have set me free. You alone have risen, you alone have saved us, you alone have rescued us from the grave. You reign now, all creation cries out You alone are king You alone Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. First part of the show, what we try to do is to let you know who funds us and what we attempt to do. Uh, Victory Over Sin is funded by an advocacy arm of the St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest uh, Idaho. Our mandate, if you will, from that is to educate you, the Idahoan, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration and to live that life on parole. We do that in a couple of different ways. One is this radio show, which we've been doing for almost three years now. If you go back to the archives of KBXL and you look under Victory Over Sin, the radio show, you'll see a tremendous amount of different shows with uh, heads of Department of Corrections, uh, state senators, um, national organization leaders. You'll see people who have just gotten out of incarceration and groups that support people who are have been incarcerated. We'd like to think it's a strong body of work, if you will, for those uh, trying to find out about the Department of Corrections. We're proud of it, so check that out when you get a chance. In addition to that, we also do a PowerPoint presentation that we'll be happy to do once all this madness of this uh, um, pandemic stuff is over. We'll come to your group, your business, your church group, and we'll present a 20-minute PowerPoint on the Department of Corrections. The great thing about this is that it is led by a returning citizen themselves, so they're going to highlight some of the things and talk about some hypothetical situations in which people have been incarcerated. It should spark discussion in your group. And through that, you should learn tremendous amounts of things about the Department of Corrections. That's what it's designed to do. If anything we talk about today on the show uh, piques your interest, at the end, I'll let you know how to get in touch with me, and we'll be happy to follow up should you want to volunteer, you want to help, or you want to learn just a little bit more. I'll do that at the end of the show. Most of you know that have been listening to me for a period of time that uh, we have an office now that's been going for... I always extend these things. It's been about a year and a half now. I think that we've been at 8620 West Emerald, Suite 140. That's at the corner of Benjamin and Emerald. We're adjacent to IDUC's uh, one-stop shop there. It's a very uh, great location for both of our organizations to be right there next to each other. IDOC is kind of like their positive reentry aspect with Department of Corrections employees. And then we're next to it with the efforts that we do, and everybody in my office has been incarcerated, so it's a different flavor for each of us. We work well together. We are open 9 to 12, Monday through Friday, so stop in with questions about anything we talk about today, or you've got a loved one incarcerated, or somebody's about to get out, or you need some information about that, that's a good spot to link up to. Uh, We are excited also, too, from time to time, Uh, One of our sister organizations and supporters is Just Leadership USA, and they are at the present time um, working very strongly to do some efforts to unite uh, folks across the country in uh, unifying with the um, 
the virus that's infecting all the prisons. And then as I tape this today, we've got our first uh, outbreak of the virus at ISCC. So that potentially now is coming even to Idaho. So you need to be aware of that. That organization, though, is really trying on the larger parts of the country where it's a major issue, they're trying to get a force together. So if you have are inclined to that as being an issue, look up Just Leadership USA and find out what they're doing. In addition to that, we should have next week a person on the radio from that organization to kind of talk about what they do, which is real powerful for those of us who have been incarcerated. Uh, they support us in becoming better leaders. And we hope to have next week uh, Ronald Simpson Bay on the radio. He's going to talk about all those things and about how they are actually potentially scheduled to come a year from now to the Boise area to do a what they call an emerging leader workshop. So we're excited about that. He hopefully will share that uh, next week with us. So uh, those are the things that are happening in the future right now. And if we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get right back to my guest in just a second. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. Okay, today I I get fortunate every once in a while I run across people who are just exciting. And a couple of those came into my office this week, and I've got them both in front of me. I've got Ronnie Ramos in front of me and Jamie Harrell in front of me. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank nice you. to be here. These guys are, uh, this is impressive. They are uh, MSW candidates, and I can tell you that's not an easy process to get through at BSU. So congratulations on that. They are also a part of an organization that you should be hearing something about in the future. It's called People First, F-I-R-S-T, and the first is a acronym that we're going to ex- uh we're going to explain as we go forward. It's a one-stop facil- facility for the formerly incarcerated. So welcome, guys. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. Pleasure. Yeah, I think this is pretty cool, to be honest with you. And the thing that I was struck as we met this week was the fact that you are just two totally different people, and yet you've kind of come to graduate school, and you've come up with this idea to do this. So uh, we'll let ladies go first. Is that okay with you? I'm so, uh, <laughs> so Ronnie, give me a little bit about your background and how you got to the spot where you are now. Um, <clears throat> well, I, uh, I grew up in, in, in Twin Falls and uh, moved here about eight years ago. And um, I lived in a I lived in a halfway house when I moved here, and they uh, I had eleven female roommates at yeah. the time, and I watched how uh, how they really struggled to uh, to get through, and how the system really worked against them. Mm-hmm. And I watched many of them end up recidivating, and uh, at that was at that point where I decided I wanted to find a way to to link them to resources that they needed mm-hmm. to to be more successful. 
And I've been on that journey for the past eight years to become a social worker. Uh, started college two and a half years ago, just graduated from CWI with two associate's degrees. And uh, and now I'm on my way to get my, my bachelor's in social work. Good. Congratulations. Like I said, that's, uh, I think... Um a good situation, a good fertile ground to see the experience firsthand and to understand that that's something that you need to fix and address. Congratulations. How about your associate here? Jamie, you want to talk about how your background in history and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Happy to. Um, of course, I'm Jamie. I'm 52. I was born. You're a young looking 52, man. You're <laughs> Thank you. Strong. 52. Um, I was born here in Boise, so I'm technically a native, but. Um, like many people, uh, especially ones listening to this program, I had a troubled uh, upbringing and young adulthood. Um, moved around a lot. Um, all the typical stuff a young person goes through in a, in a bad home. I uh, spent 16 months in San Anthony mm-hmm. where I got my GED. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they uh, um, about month 14, they told me I can go home. And then they kind of, wait, 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 wait. You have to get your GED first. And so, or for me to go home, I have to get my GED. Mm-hmm. And you can only take a test at that time every two weeks. So I took two at a time. And I got my GED, but it's a really low-grade GED. Um, so anyway, I got out of there and um, didn't use the tools. So I ended up uh, committing a crime, um, trying to get back to a place where I was comfortable with in Oregon. And I ended up doing uh, six months in Oregon State Penitentiary as, uh, uh, yeah, I was 18, 19 years old. Um, got out of that, my life still was kind of messed up. Homeless a lot, found drug addiction. Um, uh, and eventually that led me to doing a stint in here at DOC. My number is 27121. Um, got out of there. And uh, in my drug addiction, so I did 10 months in Indy County. And when I got out, um, I didn't want to do drug anymore, drugs anymore. Um, but I wanted to smoke. And I was telling my friend about this just outside the studio here. I told myself, how are you going to quit doing meth if you just can't not go buy a pack of cigarettes? Seems pretty simple. So I, uh, that was my logic and it worked. Um, that was uh, about 2000. And uh, I had one relapse in about 2001. Um, and that kind of led me to being able to become a truck driver. Mm-hmm. And that really, um, through Voc Rehab. Uh, you know, Voc Rehab has a history of really helping people. Uh, get CDLs and go forward. It's uh, They don't get enough credit for that. I know that a lot of people who've come from our office get their CDLs and then go to work for major, major, major corporations now and do well. And that's that's a, that's really a... It gives you that independence and then allows you to go forward. Yeah, that's that you, a true statement couldn't be said. Um, without voc rehab and that ability, my life would not be the same. I Absolutely. encourage anybody, um, if I can do it, you guys can do it. Yeah, and I think that's too. You're listening to us in the desert, and you're thinking about things to do. Uh, you're, if you have to report to a PO, then always make sure you say, "I have a link. Uh, can I get a link to Folk Rehab?" And they'll get that referral to you automatically. They do amazing things. I've known I've known them help open up a, a gold mining 
operation in Idaho City for, for folk rehab money. So yeah, they do creative things based upon what you want them to do, kind of. Yeah, and I was you want to do. as I went through Volk Rehab, I I was on um, probation, parole, probation, I think, and they still allowed me. In fact, and it was free; didn't cost me nothing. But because yeah. of that, um, I changed my life totally around. I became independent. I actually had something that I could do for a career, and did it um, up until well, let's see about I think fifteen or sixteen, two thousand. 15 to 16-ish, I was truck driver in the oil fields, and in both years I made just shy of $300,000 as a truck driver, um, as somebody who's been in trouble and all that. One week I made eight grand mm-hmm. after taxes in one week. Um, and then I quit because I wanted to be home. You have, as a truck driver, you're gone all the time if you want to make any money. So I got a good job here, driving truck. I was making, uh, working four days a week. Uh, after taxes, I made $4,500 a month. So pretty good. I had my own home. For some of you've been homeless several times and a meth addict, that was a huge step. Mm-hmm. Um, and then January 1st of uh, 2017, I was a designated driver um, for some friends of mine celebrating New Year's. And I was on my way home to Middleton, and a drunk driver wrecked in front of me. And I pulled over to the other side and stopped to help. Another drunk driver come along and, and ran us both over. The guy I stopped to help went through a windshield, died instantly. Mm-hmm. I spent two and a half months in a hospital, had 10 surgeries. I was in ICU for almost 40 days, and I'm now legally blind. Mm-hmm. So when I got out, um, obviously I couldn't drive a truck anymore. For some reason, they won't let me do that. Um, These Idaho, you know the laws they have here in Idaho. It's just yeah, kind mean, of goofy. For some reason, they don't want you to drive. They throw people in jail, and they yeah. just put people in jail. And they, you know, you have, to, you have to be able to see to drive. I, yeah. You know, what what's wrong with being plain bumper cars? Yeah, don't we have right. like that's bumper that's cars right. in a truck? The, what's the world? What's yeah. the world coming to? Um, so anyway, I, I had the choice to make. Um, I could sit and feel sorry for myself, or I could make a decision. And so, um, basically, roughly nine months. So January first of twenty eighteen. I was in college, and when I was making a decision of what to take in college, I wish I was going to be do computers. So, because I'm blind, I can't drive. I live in Middleton. I don't have to go to. I don't have to go anywhere. I can do it from home. But then I read this ad that says, "If you're going to go to college, do something you love." And I have a lot of experience from a broken home and all that stuff, and drug addict, and being in prison, and now I'm blind. And so, uh, initially, I was going to do psychology. Um, to help people. Mm-hmm. And then I took a class that uh, my friend and I met. I was going to ask how that said, uh, you know, let her tell us how you guys met. How'd you meet? Did you meet him in that class? I've actually met him at a lead conference for oh. the NASW. Oh, okay. That okay. we had oh, okay. at the yeah. Capitol. Yeah, and, and her friend and teacher was my teacher, and she's the one that, uh, um, her, nanny, her name is Annie Estable. Okay. She's a professor out there at CWI. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, yeah. She is, and she's the one that... Um, that taught me that there's more opportunities to help people through a social work degree. Yep, and uh, I've done really well. So I made, uh, I took that low grade GED as a blind person at CWI. They don't have very much help for blind people, but regardless, I'm on the national honor roll. See? And so uh, I haven't done anything that anybody else can't do. 
No, absolutely. I, I no, you're 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 preaching the choir and all this. This is how did you guys start into the all of us and none of us kind of stuff? Was that out of uh, the capital visit and then t- talk about some of the work because it seems like you guys are paired up to do all this. Did did that kind of spark the interest in the group or how did that? Actually, uh, it's okay to name drop, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so Charles Dickinson was my sociology teacher for my social movements class. Mm-hmm. Mary Failing and I had an assignment for social movements. Mm-hmm. All we had to do was pick a subject and go as far as we could. Well, we picked the subject of helping the formerly incarcerated. And the next thing we know, we're starting a chapter in Idaho. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, we called it, it was Ban the Box originally. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were trying to get a bill passed to ban the box and the job applications. Um, in case the listeners don't know what it is, it's a little box and job applications that asks us about criminal history and um, it, it's devastating for people to have to check that box. It yeah. re- uh, we, reduces their chances. Of uh, we talked about it extensively over the last couple of years here on the radio. Yeah. Sherry Buckner Webb's been here and yeah, it's been frustrating to not be able to get something like that through the legislature two years in a row. So yeah, we've, we're, we talk about that all the time. Yeah, definitely. So um, that was what our chapter was about. Um, and then, um, you know, the bill went through and died on the floor. And so um, we joined with the national organization called All of Us or None. And uh, we're still working on it. And we're going to have a rally here pretty soon. We haven't picked a date yet because COVID. COVID, yeah. Because <laughs> of COVID. But um, it's uh, something that Mary Failing and I have been working on and and uh, jamie is uh is one of our one of our board members cool well i think the thing that that's so cool about it is uh it seems like over the last two years at least we've got these different sorts of groups like like your association with the group in oakland and uh, other people who are coming along wanting to educate legislators which is pretty much is really where it's that's where change will happen. And if you're listening to me uh, right now, you've heard me say this before, but I'll always keep saying it's your story is the the aspect that actually will change people's minds and hearts. And so if you are, especially now and it's off season for legislators, look up who your legislator is. They're all running for office. So uh, they'll love to talk to you. So just give them a call and they're all private, you know, part-time guys. Just call them up and tell them, tell them your story. So that's that's something that we can do. And I was surprised in the last couple of years how many different groups have done it, number one, and how positive the experience has been from just going down to the Capitol and seeing that you can get involved. If I could reiterate on that, um, so when um, Ronnie and I were down to the Capitol, our senator asked me to come speak on, tell my story, um, because she heard a little bit of it and she thought it was important for me to share that with the house and of course the coronavirus came up and i never was able to do that but my point is they do want to hear your story oh they really you do. just have to go out and want to be willing to put the work in to tell your story because if you don't step up first nobody's going to know well i think too it's the uh, i've said this before on the show but i i keep saying it uh it, there's really a good feeling too in terms of sharing your story to somebody that potentially can make a decision and even if just a few of you tell it to each legislator, then when something comes up with uh, the Department of Corrections and they're voting on money for the Department of Corrections, I guarantee you that legislator will think back to the conversation they had with you or somebody else that was in their office, and they'll pay more attention to it because so much stuff happens, so much stuff happens so quickly that we have to be the advocates to go forward and to talk about that. So 
uh, I don't want to get too far down the line with talking about uh, people first and how you came with people and then what the acronym stands for and how, what that addresses. You want to do that real fast for me before we? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, people first was a, an idea I came up with, uh, with, with Jamie's help on the acronym. Um, so that's a, it's formerly incarcerated rehabilitation services and treatment. And it's essentially a one-stop facility um, where um, people can, can go when they get out of prison to, uh, to get all of their needs addressed, everything, um, as far as health goes, substance abuse. Um, um, sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Mental health and mm-hmm. treatment. And, and um, education. Education, education. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, you help with getting their GEDs, employment, housing. Mm-hmm. I'm back on track, and uh, and so just encompasses all of these things because they tend to get um, a lot of places just kind of focus on one thing, and it was looking for something where where they could get it at one stop. Yeah, we kind of talked about it before. It's like there tends to be. Um, I mean, I'm happy that more and more agencies are coming out addressing people that are in this situation, but we also tend to get real siloed. It's either I run a halfway house or I do this. I just do addiction. I do this and. I don't really necessarily want to talk with anybody else. I just do this, and uh, what we the the solution comes from all of us working together and coming out of those silos and forming coalitions and going forward and having a conversation where we not so much talk to each other, but it's gather other people around us, and that's why that in part why I was so excited to see you guys. More people coming along so that you can recruit more people that tell their stories that make it an issue that I don't because I would contend that. The person who's li- listening to the show for the first time has no idea how much it costs to send somebody to inc- uh, for a year in incarceration, and they have no idea what not only just the cost, but the emotional cost that that is to that person, the person who loves that person, that person's extended family. There's just tons and tons and tons of issues within the Department of Corrections that they know nothing about. And so if we keep bringing them up and keep addressing them, then hopefully we'll shine the light on some of this and make some changes. So that's the idea. Amen to that. Yeah. One of the things I think that um, we're making progress, and so I think I've said that a couple of times, and I'm excited about that. It's slower than I want, but uh, we are making progress, and I think I'm comfortable with that. What do you do? You think, from the perspective of what you guys have been doing, would you contend that the progress is slow? And if if it's slow, why do you think it's slow? As far as legislative change. Legislative change and. Working together and getting people together. I mean, you know, you've had I think getting groups together to talk about something like this. A lot of it is, you know, the societal attitude towards it. I mean, um, they're sort of the forgotten population. You know, people think they're criminals. They deserve, they deserve what they've got. These are the consequences of their actions, et cetera, et cetera. But these are people, and they've done their time, and they are continuing to do their time when they carry the stigma of of having right. a felony. And um, I think that it's definitely a public attitude and just a lack of, um, a lack of numbers. We yeah. need, we need people to come together and unite and, and show that, that, you know, that these are people too. And, and because if you don't know this already and you're listening to us, 97% of the people who are out there incarcerated, they're going to get out. So they're going to be your neighbors and we might as well, uh, face that as a fact. That's going to happen. In fact, they would like them out quicker than they're letting them out right now. We don't have any bed space. So uh, they're going to come, and they're going to come quickly. I, I also think that there's uh, 
lack of education um, amongst the general people. They just look at the, the felon as somebody who was just a loser and went and committed a crime and, and they deserve what they got and they don't have any idea of or possibly even care of how that person ended up there and that most of them wouldn't do it again if, yeah. you know, if they had a, a different choice. So they just don't know and say so just put them away and forget about it. Yeah. So don't and have to I think, again, almost that's, uh, that's, that's on us to, go, to get back to exactly. uh, educating people and letting them, getting them involved and making sure that they have that voice and going forward. It is not an easy task. So um, welcome to the battle, guys. I appreciate that. So <laughs> it is it's a been fun. Too. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, it's by nowhere, by no means even um, have we seen the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we need to do. But it's exciting work and it's all kinds of fun and you meet all sorts of neat people like I got to meet you. So Absolutely. It but, is exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to being I know this is gonna be a long process. Probably a slow process because that's, right. that's how this goes. Well, Scott, you guys are a lot younger than I am too, so that's good to know that you're gonna come along and kinda of help me do that. That'd be fantastic. We're, well I've got my, I've got three years to work on my masters, so There you go. I, that's fantastic. So Listen, thank you so much for coming in today, and I have enjoyed that, um, and I think we're going to, we'll do good things together. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank, thank you for having us. Through Jesus, there's victory. All the chains that were holding me Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight within Give me strength I need to start again I've got victory over sin Okay, see, I get... Point I get to I get to do some interesting stuff and so that's cool. If you need to uh, to talk to uh, these guys or you would like to get in touch with me, I'm pretty easy to reach. It's www.systemicchangeofid.com. If you want to send me an email, it's Systemic Change of Idaho. It's all spelled out there at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. I'm on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call us on the phone at area code 208 407 1006. Look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin. Thanks.